Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, the most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you, if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out, John O'White, or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I have coached leader after leader after leader, and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult, and, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Jason Binder. Jason is, is the chief executive officer. Respect. Welcome to the podcast, Jason. Thanks, Jono. Great to be here. First of all, tell us a little bit about Respect and tell us about what you do as CEO. So Respect is an uh, aged care provider in Australia. Uh, uh, we provide 
residential aged care and we're also moving into the home care and retirement living space more than we ever have. Um, but the organisation started in regional uh, Australia and quite small and it scaled quite quickly. So uh, it's grown from a small organisation to a fairly large organisation now with 1500 staff. So that's been, uh, well, it's been exciting. I won't say it's been, a, a, well, it has been challenging at times, but yeah, it's, a, it's been an exciting journey. Yeah, I like the pause there. Because that sort of crisis, everyone wants, everyone would love to just lead an organization that's growing quickly. Um, but uh, that yeah. always brings its own challenges. Like you said, you know, it's, uh, I'm sure there's been some really big wins along the way. But yeah, that's just <laughs> building systems yeah. and, and uh, HR and everything for that sort of fast growth. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's its own challenges. Well, let's, lot, let's, a lot of companies. Oh, you're right. You go. Sorry. Yeah, yeah we, we got, got that. a slight delay. Um, let's jump into your no. story. I'd love to hear um, with your child growing up, what were some of the moments from that season that really shaped you into the person and the leader you are today? It's an interesting uh, question. So my childhood, my mum and dad had a, had a strong work ethic. So my dad's dad died when he was one and that was just in that time after the war where there was a depression. So he grew up, he had to leave school when he was 13. He was a straight A student, but had to leave to support uh, the family because there was 11 kids. That's what they did back then. But <laughs> uh, it, seems, it seems very bombastic now, but that, that's, uh, that was pretty common back then. But he had to support uh, the family. So... Well, He's got a strong work ethic. I haven't seen anything like that since my mum come from a business environment where her father was very uh, business driven. Um, so she also had a, a work ethic and uh, growing up, yeah, I was doing adult jobs by the time I was probably 10. So um, standing out in the heat in Renmark in South Australia, cutting apricots all day or picking in the 45 degree heat or something like that. So that has shaped me as a person in how I see work because I had to learn how to push through things that were uncomfortable um, very early on as a, as a child. Uh, and moments of work where it's like, man, this, is, this sucks. I mean, it sucks standing there all day cutting apricots because <laughs> this was before machines. So how they are in the supermarket where they're dried and they're already in half. Well, that used to be me standing at a tray, cutting them all day. So, uh, oh. for not much. There was I don't know if there was industrial relations laws or what back then, but it it wasn't for much. Just for a dollar, <laughs> it might have been a dollar, a dollar for five trays or something. I can't remember. But yeah, as a leader, wow. that um, that has as a leader that shaped me. I, I suppose I I lead. Um, like, I don't think anyone could doubt my commitment to the company, um, maybe just because of the hours I put in, but I, I don't necessarily see them as, as work hours uh, either because I, I love what I do. So um, I think that's that from my childhood, that's one big thing. The other uh, big thing I had to learn from was I was yeah. a as, a, as a teenager. So mm. that... I kind of spiraled into like daily use. So I was like those people you see in the mugshots in Facebook that everyone makes fun of. But it's, um, yeah, so I was, I was pretty bad as a teenager. I had to uh, get out of that. And I think I learned a lot of sort of determination and self, self-reliance through, through having to do that. So uh, it shaped me as a leader. I'm pretty determined. Um, person I yeah I'm not sillily determined like I don't just go off in a direction and don't listen to anything anyone says but certainly if I think it's the right direction to go I'm pretty I'm pretty determined that we can do it 
Yeah, thank you for sharing about um, both of those things in your childhood because that's why I love asking that question. You know, what's the what's the connection between cutting apricots for a dollar for five trays mm. and leading an aged care provider with fifteen hundred staff? Well, um, Jason, can, yeah, because it's work ethics. <laughs> you know, is it's something that gets instilled in you. I'm interested. Well, the determination required to turn around as someone at a young age who's addicted to something and to leave that behind. Um, as a leader now with 1,500 staff, when we talk about work ethic and determination, how what have you learned? Like, how is that, how is that important for you as a leader in managing people? And how is that important for your leaders that are managing people in your teams? Um, how have you seen those traits come to the fore for you and your people? work ethic and determination? I think uh, um, when I say work ethic, I don't expect my people that report to me or people that report to them to do the hours I do. Um, so I'm, I'm not trying to demonstrate, hey, you need to work 80 hours a week and stuff. Like they can work whatever hours they want to work as long as, long as the outcomes get done but I suppose I'm, I'm on all the time uh, in terms of not all the time because people think the hours of work are crazy but then they'll sit and watch Netflix for inordinate amounts of time yeah um, <laughs> or doing things like that and there's there's 112 waking hours in the week and even if I was working 80 there's still three or four hours a day for family and friends so it's a lot of a lot of time if you hmm prioritize your time so um i think in terms of leadership they know i'm like i'm old and i'm for the company and I'm, I'm working hard for the company the um and also it makes you stand out as a as a young person coming in into a company and working like progressing and being promoted like it's it's not that hard to do a bit extra and stand out now. A lot of people just come and clock in, clock off, and it's there's this there's this um, two sides to their life where this is work and this is. And I'm not telling people to uh, to mess those up too much, but I think it's it doesn't take much to stand out if you want to just put in a bit extra after the weekend and think hey i thought of something on the weekend that was you know, cool to change it's going to make an improvement it could be anything like that but um, um i don't think it's hard to stand out like that the determination is i don't <laughs> if if something can be done i i as a leader i kind of i don't really let it go until i've got a satisfactory answer and that might be for something I'm doing uh, myself or or it might be for people that report to me if they're coming up with something they might say, I've tried everything and if I say what's everything and then we work out it's not everything. It's just it's sort of like a bit of the dog and a bone and something until we get to where uh, we need to go. So it's just a, a belief in them as well as a team it's not like belief in me you don't get anywhere on your own you you absolutely need a good team and I just believe we can do it um, and so the determination a lot of the time is just belief in what we can do like I said not dumb belief I'm I'm a big fan of um, evidence and data and making decisions based on and the best data we have available as scientifically as we can. But definitely, uh, I've got a lot of faith in our ability to, if there's a problem, that we can solve it. So I think that's, um, yeah, that's mm. going to shape me as a leader, that, that aspect of my childhood. And I can hear how uh, it seems like that trait of I, I won't let something go until I have a satisfactory answer would be important in the industry you're in because for people outside of Australia, the aged care industry is, you know, there's been uh, a royal commission. Uh, 
I guess there's some big changes being required across that sector. I think what uh, organ, you know, organizations within the aged care sector need is leaders to do this. And so I, I find it, um, that's something I just, you know, it sounds generally in hearing your story, I can hear how that would be great for you to have as someone leading an organization in the industry you're in, in 2022. I think it's super important um, because the industry is going through unprecedented change and that's from the Royal Commission and the recommendations and um, the government ha have a mandate to uh, put them in on the timeline that the Royal Commission recommended, which is, you know, I'm, I'm not saying they shouldn't be doing that. They need to do that. Um, and as the industry, we need to get through that period of change. And, and for me, that is... I've got complete faith we can get through it and we can problem solve things as they're arising. I mean, some people, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of government involvement in aged care and it's a double-edged sword because you know what changes are coming. So as an industry, we know that there is, these are the changes that are coming. We don't know the details, but we know certain things need to be, and they're big changes that will require a lot of operational change and um, and a lot of management, <clears throat> but we know they're coming. In any other industry, you don't know it's coming. So I think there's a there's a, a degree of stress in the industry just because we know it's coming. Um, no one's stressed about COVID-19 before February <laughs> twenty. 19 because they didn't know it was coming <laughs> yeah, but we've got yeah, this exactly. we know what's coming in six months we know what's coming in a year <laughs> and sometimes you just need to back yourself in and kind of forget about trying to predict a future that's probably not going to happen anyway i think you need mm. to look at it sensibly and figure out well what resources are we going to need what you know, we you can put some rough plans in place but all you can do is your best and then not try to I think your brain, our brains are so good at projecting forward, thinking up some scenario that's really scary and probably unlikely to happen and then stressing ourselves now about it before it's even happened. So um, it's a, it's going to be a difficult time. And um, I think as we're well positioned, I think we've got the right team to, to get through that. Um, I think it's a big challenge to be leading in the industry you're in, but what an amazing, uh, I, I'm, I just think it's one of the most important areas of, um, of our society. So I love that we have people like you who are, um, who are determined to, um, to, to, to see and lead change. It's awesome. Um, let's, uh, jump into your story again yeah. and hear, keen to know, Jason, do you remember, one of the leadership opportunities you had and like <laughs> where you were leading a group of people where you were really owning a project or there was something that you were really responsible for and you remember going oh okay this is um this is harder than i thought or this is you know it was a bit of a ceiling we had to break through yeah <laughs> that's probably another trait i always throw myself in the deep end and Oh, every sort of step of the way I've thrown myself in the deep end. And even now we're, in, we're entering um, two new sectors that we haven't been in before. And I think as a child, you, you're willing to fail. Like you, you don't just get on a bike and think, well, I'm just going to ride it and I'm going to be perfect at it. You kind of fall off probably many times before you, before you get the hang of riding the bike, it's actually no different when, when you're an adult. It's just, I feel like we get scared of, it's almost like public failure. Like I can't fail because what will people say now and that sort of stuff. So we get kind of boxed in and our fear becomes our ceiling a little bit because we don't want to do we don't want to do something new because what if it doesn't work? 
And mm. I suppose to answer the question, there's been so many times I've thrown myself in the deep end. Um, and it, it's a little bit uncomfortable in the deep end, but you, you kind of get used to, <laughs> you kind of get used to the feeling of, um, it, it, for me, it used to be kind of fear and dread when I did that. And I, I kind of did it anyway, because I thought I need to learn this and I need to like push through it. But now it's kind of more like it, fear and excitement are very similar emotions. <laughs> And so uh, it's almost like a bit of excitement of we've got to work it out as we're going. And um, it's it's turned into that because I know at the end of the process that we're all going to be like stronger people at the end of it. So um, there's been a lot of times like that. The first one, probably we, uh, at Respect, when it was only a small organisation with a couple of aged care homes, it was uh, nearly in insolvent and the senior managers left and whatever and it was just me and brett and brett's our chief operating officer now it was just me and um brett and catherine at the time was left and we thought oh well, we think we can fix it and so <laughs> we, we put a plan to the board to fix it um and they said all right we'll, we'll have a go of it. i don't think they had anything to lose um and and it, it worked and man, we made a lot of mistakes through that. We, we did fix it. Um, the implementation of it and the change management and everything is, if I look back at it now, it's, it's kind of humorous the way we, we did things. But again, that's just like riding the bike. You've got to, you've got to like, just get on the bike and have a go and no one learns any other way. So, uh, and I don't learn any other way. The person now I'm running a, $150 million company. I can't run a, this Jason can't run a $1 billion company. So if I want to run a $1 billion company, I've got to yeah. be like I'm running a $1 billion company. And you can't do that without just throwing yourself in the deep end uh, a few times and doing things and taking some knocks. You, you just can't. So uh, yeah, it's really from me to if I'm not in the deep end a little bit, I'm, I'm actually a bit unsettled. Like I, I'm really not getting the most out of life that I could. So um, yeah, really important for me. Yeah. It's funny how often this has come up in the year of just being willing to, to dive in and give things. Um, on your leadership journey, really like you said where you were able to sort of just dive in the deep end and really work on on turning respect around um turning the organization around and, and making it work are there what are some of the aha moments or is there one that comes to mind as you've been but also growing as a leader any aha moments that really story where you made a mistake and, and really learned a, a pivotal lesson or through something that everyone thought was impossible? Any aha moments that come to mind? Uh, I think the biggest ahas are probably just, even in, they're probably my personal life. So not not in a business sense. Like there are, there are a lot of things in a business sense that were aha moments. I mean, one of the big aha moments is when you really understand that people from the outside look remarkable <laughs> and the more kind of you get into bigger business and you meet with other bigger business people, you realize that they're just ordinary people. Um, but you, you don't know they're ordinary people because you're not mixing with them in their everyday life. But it's really when you're not, when you're just kind of day to day, doing things and there's these people that you think are doing amazing things you kind of have this aura about them that they've got some special uh, abilities but when you kind of dig under it every if you if anybody does i think the best uh, that they can do in something that they're skilled at like they can they can be extraordinary at it and i mean it doesn't remove any of the um probably the outside 
perception or anything like that. But I think that's a big, that was a big aha moment. I always thought people running bigger organizations were, you know, much different leaders and business people. And I needed to do this and that to, to kind of do what they're doing. And, um, yeah, it's kind of, it's the, the, you kind of get to a bigger level in business and then you realize they're actually just normal people. Um, and I don't think it's a matter if it's running a $1 billion company or a $10 million company, a $200 billion company. It's like, you look at someone like Elon Musk, he's got, you know, people, people want the, people want that kind of money, but you've got to have his problems if you want that kind of money, but <laughs> he's probably remarkable in some ways in his work ethic and he's a highly intelligent person, but you'd find behind the scenes, he's just a normal person. So that was a big, yeah, that's right. personally for me, when you're growing as a leader, you kind of get mixed up in titles. Like I'm a CEO, um, and therefore I need to be doing things because I'm a CEO, like I need to be a certain way or you kind of take on an identity that's not you and people can go to their grave with that identity, but, and they, they're needing to be something to be, to feel like they're, they have value and I've, I know I've got value now and I've learned all this. And this has made me mm. a better leader because if you're trying to be someone, you, you usually end up being not a very good leader. And if you're under pressure, if you're trying to be someone, you're just going to end up under pressure because you need to be an exceptional CEO or I've got this track record now of all this growth and all this stuff happening. So is there an external perception now that Jason's this amazing business growth person and he doesn't and uh, what's Jason going to do next? And all, you can start wearing all of that and actually start believing that's what you need to be, but that's not who I need to be. I don't need to be a certain business person. I don't need to be a title. I wasn't born with any of that. I wasn't born with CEO stamp on my head. So I think it's important and my kids don't care. They don't care what company I run or what I'm, what I'm doing. Um, they just, they just know me as dad. So you kind of need to, it's easy to get caught up in all the business stuff and what are you doing and looking at the numbers and how do you compare? And it just kind of leads to a road of misery uh, and also pressure and people don't perform well under pressure because mm. you look at any sport, someone's trying to, you know, kick a goal or or throw a shot in basketball or whatever they're trying to do, the more pressure under the worse they perform. So it doesn't actually do any good to have all that pressure uh, on you. It actually makes you bleed worse. When you don't have the pressure, you can just sort of kind of get up and be creative <laughs> and lead out of a spirit of mm. just innovation and creativity rather than you know, pressure and expectations and burdens and you're just gonna that stress is just gonna come out in the wrong ways you're not gonna lead very well you're not gonna make good decisions uh, so that was really important aspect it's kind of a personal life aspect but it applies across business because you just perform better yeah it's um it's, I, I think uh, it's one of those things that's really hard to, for people to learn or, or be trained in. I think it's something that you have to walk out. You really do have to live it out to find that lane and really work and, and how to lead from there. Um, and I definitely know for me, it took me a while, it took me a long time to work out who that was as well, because I, I saw great mm -hmm. leaders and I thought, this because this isn't me but i worked that out by by stepping out like you said and actually jumping into the deep end and having a go myself that was when i realized yeah. ah okay that's not me and this, this is what i'm what i'm like and then i got comfortable in my own shell 
Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so important um, to do that. Absolutely. Well, Leadership Express, I've got a few questions for you. The first question, Jay, what's a book that you have gifted to others or recommended? I kind of don't, because for me, I've read, I'm actually known for, I, I, I haven't read a, um, a fictional book. I've only read nonfiction books and I've read thousands of nonfiction books. And I kind of start reading a fictional book and I'm like, oh, I could be learning something. So I, I kind of, I, I end up not, not reading it. So, but what in my own journey in life, I've kind of just picked a book that is relevant for what's next. Well, I feel like what is next. So it's kind of very fluid. Um, and so to do that for myself and then kind of for other people, I'd, I'd probably just try and figure out, well, what do I, what might be relevant for their situation um, and you know, give them a book that, that might fit. So, and I'm, I'm kind of not a follower of any one person or theory or, or anything like that. When you've read that many, non-fiction books you realize there isn't there isn't really one answer there's not even 10 answers there's not even 100 answers <laughs> and the answers depends on the on the situation so i kind of just select it as i'm as i'm going yeah i think um it's uh, i've had a few people with that same sort of answer other uh, and out to you as had a particularly big influence on you books that you've read them at a crucial time or they really gave you a, a uh, there was a takeaway in that book that for you in that moment was a real breakthrough i think yeah there's definitely been moments like that probably a recent one was it's a book called i am that and i probably wouldn't recommend anyone just read it you probably you need to have a it's very deep and heavy. It's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a, it's an ancient Indian philosophy called Advaita Vedanta, and it's about a guy that practiced that. But he had a lot of people coming to him to ask him questions about life, and so they ended up recording it because he spoke in Indian, so they had to translate. Um, they had to translate it and and so they ended up actually just recording the translations and it's ended up in a book the guy's um he's passed now but uh, it, there's a there's a book of just the conversations he's had with people that came up to him to ask him all these questions and one of the things in there was that he said something that's just struck out to me because the guy was trying to the guy that was talking to him was trying to tell him that he's a guru and he's he's a master and he's this and that he said i'm not any of that that's just your opinion and your opinion could change tomorrow and you not think that and he said something which was he said my opinion of myself doesn't even matter and i kind of thought well, that's really interesting and there's this thing now about having a healthy opinion of yourself and the theory is that you need to you need to not have a high opinion of yourself because that will mean you have an ego and you're uh, perhaps arrogant and uh, those things and you can't have a low opinion of yourself because then you'll you'll be depressed and you know, have anxiety and other issues so you need to have this perfect opinion of yourself, which is actually impossible. And there's this dichotomy of you needed this opinion of yourself. And I never actually thought before, man, a lot of problems come from actually having an opinion of yourself at all. If I think I'm a great business person and then mm. something fails, that will, 
that will cause a lot of emotional discomfort. If I've got a low opinion of myself as a business person, then I'm really not going to perform very well because obviously I'm going to play out what I'm what I'm thinking. So I think the best space to be is actually to have no opinion of yourself at all and just get up and do your best. Um, and so that's probably something that stood out. There's a lot of words in the book and it's very heavy. Like I said, it takes a lot of reading. I might read one or two pages and then absorb it and then have to kind of go back to it the next day. So yeah, that's probably something that stood out of that book just recently. Yeah, no, I love it. Really interesting content. Uh, what mm. is a recent leadership lesson you've learned for the first time? Lesson that's recently you've been reminded of it. I think probably around that actually, because we had a bit of a, it was just a little situation here at the head office where I had all this kind of furniture put in and got the office style for the staff and stuff. And, um, um, and then over the weekend, like I came in, it was all shifted around. I had to shift it back. So I wrote an email, hey, can you not shift the stuff? Because i got to put it all back and everything. And then the staff wrote back this kind of email back saying, well, this is wrong with it and that's wrong with it. And what about this and that? And I kind of got upset about that. But again, it's about having an opinion of myself. So I'm the CEO and maybe they shouldn't talk to me like that. And there's all these rights and wrongs associated with it and in reality is there is no right and wrong it was actually a poor moment of leadership i didn't react like get angry or anything like that but i just kind of uh, addressed it in an email rationally but it was just a bit blunt so it wasn't a great leadership moment and really it was it was about really my ego and i think most of my leadership mistakes have been about ego Yeah. What advice would you give to leaders about how to lead <laughs> and to minimize the ego? What, what, what are you learning? I think a lot, really. Like for, for me, it's really understanding when, if I have a negative emotion, I, I kind of pause and go, what is, where's that coming from? And we all have, we respond to things like we've got, they'll call it conditioning in psychology. It might be in a behavioral adaptation in evolution, but they're not conscious things. And you see people all the time, you can see their problems, like it stands out to you or to anybody that this person has a problem, but they're oblivious to the problem. And it's because they haven't rationally thought to themselves, hey, I've, I, can, I need to behave like this now because uh, my dad criticised me. And now I, I can't be criticised. So every time someone says something in, in a meeting or whatever, I get my heckles up and I, I might be passive aggressive or stuff like that. No one's consciously thought anything. It's just been a, an unconscious behavioral adaptation. So for me, what I do is if I have a negative feeling, first of all, I contain it to myself. So why am I feeling like that? Not what, not what is everyone doing that's made me feel like that? Cause that is actually disempowering to yourself. It's not, it's not an empowering thought to, be in the traffic and it's everyone's fault because they, they drove wrong. Like, why are you getting ups, upset? What's causing it? And perhaps psychology nowadays doesn't like to dig into your past, but I certainly do have, when I, when I do that and I just think about what is it that is causing that emotion in me? And I certainly do go back to my past and it's really helpful to understand, well, that's why I'm, responding like that and I feel like once you shine a light on that and can kind of understand 
hey, that's what's causing that emotion, it just, it, it dissipates, particularly if you then, um, if you then um, sit on it and kind of think about it, because if you have a negative emotion like that, let's say uh, it, it, it was a, a highly critical father, and I can say that because that was, that was one of mine. Um, but so what would happen to me then is I would be, I would live my life anticipating that someone was going to criticize me. And so when you're living your life, anticipating that someone's going to criticize you, something small that someone says, there's nothing to do with the criticism you're going to take as a criticism. So once I figured out, okay, I'm living my life like that. And I've kind of shone a torch on it and, and unpacked it it's kind of like then I'm conscious that for a little while it just becomes second nature just that hey are you are you in this moment like anticipating someone's going to criticize you so I just keep thinking about that during the day and eventually it just kind of goes away so if you keep attacking all those little things that that pop up all those behavioral adaptations all the conditioning I mean you don't want all of it because some of those adaptations are you know you learn to drive a car i don't want to forget that obviously <laughs> so it's um but that it's a subconscious thing that you learn I, I drove to the office today i didn't think about how to do that i don't want to forget that subconscious stuff that i've learned but some of the subconscious stuff that causes negative feelings in you because negative feelings come from you they don't come from outside um, I'm, I'm, I'm really just sitting in that and trying to figure out where's it coming from. You just kind of tackle those one at a time as they pop up and you'll find the more you kind of dissipate those things, things get thrown in your life to test it. So, uh, it's, it's, it gets a lot better and you, you kind of, I don't have many negative emotions, uh, now just through that process um, but there's always a test i'm sure there'll be a mm. test coming up life's not life is not just some straight line where <laughs> and it, if you went to the movies and you watched the show and you know, the person's life was perfect it would be the boringest hour and a half you could possibly think of so and life's not like that we don't necessarily want it like that but in the moment it feels mm. like this is the biggest this is the biggest problem um but really it's it's an opportunity to really understand mm. yourself how did you first come to understand that about yourself as an example realizing that you had that um, with your dad being uh, critical that you were thinking like that how did you have that breakthrough because there's a lot of people listening who might be going i, I want to understand that about myself but where do i start how do i what what my triggers are or, or how i'm like i think it's when you when you it, it is for me, it's about emotional discomfort. So what is causing me like emotional discomfort? So let's say uh, I got criticized and that upset me. Well, the, even the terminology there is wrong. And you got to watch words because that didn't upset me. I upset me. And so it's really, let's say someone criticized me and I got upset. It's really sitting with it and going, why am I upset? Like the first thing is the person hasn't even criticized me. My dad didn't actually, this might sound crazy, but he didn't criticize me. He just said some words and he has his own past. I already said on the podcast that he, uh, his dad died when he was one. He had to leave school when he was 13 and all this sort of stuff. So he is kind of living the best life he could live and he said some words to me as a kid and i took it as criticism and you need to be real with your self because your brain or your ego whatever you, you would like to call it wants to be right about itself so 
if you want to have this feeling of oh my dad criticized me and all this sort of stuff you kind of you kind of skew the event like when i think about it now yeah he said some stuff my older brother though this is the exact same family he didn't take it as criticism he just kind of laughed it off made a joke to dad about him being grumpy or something around didn't affect him whatsoever but here's me over here i've got this behavioral adaptation and this conditioning and my older brother's probably got some other things that i don't have but you have to look at it realistically about well the problem is with me because i'm talking about stuff that happened 30 years ago and so for the last 30 my dad's not sitting here criticizing me so who is creating the problem it's not him it's me i'm creating the problem <laughs> he's not here criticizing me so where's the problem i'm and so in a way i have been i had been punishing myself for that period of time he's fine there's no problem with with dad it's me that's had the problem the whole time for the you know the period of time that i had the, the problem so it's yeah so i just kind of I sit on it and figure out what's causing the, ne the negative emotion. I contain it within myself, which is really important. Um, because if you start blaming your emotions on other things, it's, it's just counterproductive. It makes you a victim. It, it disempowers you to solve the, well, what is it that I, that I'm, I need to, I need to dissipate. Yeah, that's so good. Such a great process. And if everyone do a deep dive and understand ourselves better, the world would be such a better place. And um, leading people would be so much easier as well, because I think what you just articulated is where so many of the challenges with interpersonal challenges between people. Is... Oh, absolutely. I think there's a lot of conditioning and, and I'm not, I'm not perfect either. I mean, most of the time I'm running a big company. I'm scaling the company. My wife's got a business. I've got five kids and most of the time I don't experience stress. And there's this dichotomy of you, you need to be, and this is another kind of thing I figured out. It was only the other day I was talking to my wife. There's this dichotomy of you need to be in the rat race and achieving things and doing all this stuff or and that's stress and then all you need to be on a mountain somewhere meditating floating in the air with your legs crossed or whatever you're doing and then that is peace and there's no there's no thought that hey you can be doing all these activities that would normally be stressful and not actually be stressed and even saying it do people really believe me but it, it's it's true. Like ninety nine point five percent of the time, I'm not stressed. Yeah, and is the secret to that what you just unpacked? Is there anything you to to do? You know, such a challenging role and such a full life without uh, without much stress. Uh, I think. Definitely, I put structure around things. So our household, and my wife is brilliant at that too. So our household is very, we make our children responsible for doing a lot of things and there's consequences and follow-up and all that. It's a fun family. It's a really fun family, but there's also quite a lot of structure which makes it easier. Um, so there's, there's definitely that but even then if it was chaotic and there's kids running around and all this stuff if i'm getting stressed about that i'm getting stressed about that <laughs> they're not causing it and so yeah that is part of the secret to it i suppose uh, and also i think it's not fighting life because and it's seeing things as an opportunity. So like I said, there's going to be things happen to me and maybe I'm going to 
get an understanding, hey, I'm, I'm not liberated from that yet. And so there's going to be some discomfort. I'm sure that's, you know, coming up in my life. Um, but definitely um, it's accepting life as it comes as well. Um, there was a lady, uh, what was the book? I can't remember the book. I think her name was Byron Katie. And one of the quotes that stuck with me was, uh, she said, uh, uh, if you fight life, you lose, but only 100% of the time. <laughs> so uh, it's really about accepting what comes. You can't change. <laughs> you can't go to your past. Your past is a memory. It's only in your head. You can't actually change. You can't go back and change things. And why did this happen to me and resist it? And it's actually only causing your own internal turmoil doing that so that's probably another part of it I think that helps me yeah do what I do and not be overly stressed about it yeah absolutely uh last question for you this has been wonderful to to get your thoughts last question if you could only give one piece of leadership advice to a young leader do it <laughs> go on the deep end it's scary to go on the deep end but necessity is really the mother of invention it really it really is if you you can sit on the sideline you don't have to invent anything you won't invent anything um because you'll do it next week you'll do it next month next thing you know it's next year it's the only way to for me, the only way to motivate myself is like, you just got to throw yourself in the deep end and, and trust, trust yourself. And even if it doesn't work out, like I said, don't fight life. If it didn't work out, figure out what you learned from it um, and, and move on. But sometimes, and even now, there's things that I feel like, oh, I don't want to do that. I feel a bit of fear. And I'll just say to my EA, just burn my boat. And that means, um, I don't know if you've heard of the story, but it was a Spanish uh, military person and they were invading uh, South America. Not that I'm glorifying war, but this is just the psychological principle. It was in the 1700s and they landed in there and the army got off the boats and he went and burned all, their, all the boats. The, the military leader burned all the boats, so they had no way back. They couldn't go. I'm going to go get on the boat now, uh, and I'm going back to Spain. Like they had to, they had to win. And it's not about winning, but it's about putting yourself in that next situation. And that might be for me, if I say to to breathe my EA and burn my boat, it might be book in that speaking engagement that you don't want to do, or you know you haven't spoken to. 300 people before so maybe i'll put that off um i'll just say just burn the boat get it done so really as a young young leader absolutely mm. that's what i'd i'd recommend to do yeah and then that story but it's, it's a wonderful filter for leaders to have is to uh, uh commit and burn the boats and step fully into whatever it is and and uh yeah, yeah of all the that have come up in 150 plus episodes. That's one of the top things I've heard from Lee. After leaders, I just gave it a go. Yeah, I just, I just um, stepped out. I just, um, I didn't think I was ready, and it was a big toxic sort but, of. Um, took it on and tried it, and and so yeah, I think it's wonderful advice. Step in, and for all of us, I think we can think about. What, what, you know, it's good to ask what are the boats that we've kept there in case. And what does it look like to, 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 to really step into um, the next opportunity that we might be scared of? Uh, wonderful advice, Jason. Yeah. Uh, for people uh, hearing your thoughts, where can they find you online, LinkedIn or Twitter, etc.? And also more about respect and, and the organization. Uh, so it's just respect.com.au is the um, organization. My LinkedIn is probably the best place to find me, which is just Jason Binder CEO is my LinkedIn tagged. And other than that, I'm not, I don't have too much social media going on, but I go on LinkedIn a 
a bit. I like what you did. So. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. Um, uh, I I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. What a fun episode. Uh, great little nuggets uh, around leadership and wonderful to hear Jason's story. So have the John O'White Leadership Podcast and the Leadership Question of the Day Podcast, two other places you can go to continue to invest in your leadership. But I want to say a massive thank you as we finish up uh, to Jason. Thank you for being so generous with your time. For vulnerably about, um, you know, your story. And, and I think doing, putting your money where your mouth is for people to, to think, oh, Jason, he leads that 150 to get to just hear you chat about life and leadership and um, uh, ego and just being so real, I think it will encourage a lot of people to give things. So, yeah, I, I've just loved it. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, John. I appreciate it. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership, and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org, right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited, early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders and you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I, I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this, I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and, and please do that. And look for me, John White or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even if You Hate Conflict. 
I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time. 